Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's text brings us to 2 Chronicles chapter 15. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. Yahweh is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when in their distress they turned to Yahweh the God of Israel and sought him, he was found by them. In those times there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in. For great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands. They were broken in pieces. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every sort of distress. But you, take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. As soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Azariah the son of Oded, he took courage and put away the detestable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities that he had taken in the hill country of Ephraim, and he repaired the altar of Yahweh that was in front of the vestibule of the house of Yahweh. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin, and those from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon who were residing with them. For great numbers had deserted to him from Israel when they saw that Yahweh his God was with him. They were gathered at Jerusalem in the third month of the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa. They sacrificed to Yahweh on that day from the spoil that they had brought, seven hundred oxen, and seven thousand sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek Yahweh, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and with all their soul, but that whoever would not seek Yahweh, the God of Israel, should be put to death, whether young or old, man or woman. And they swore an oath to Yahweh with a loud voice, and with shouting, and with trumpets, and with horns. And all Judah rejoiced over the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart, and had sought him with their whole desire, and he was found by them. And Yahweh gave them rest all around. Even Mekah, his mother, King Asa, removed from being queen mother because she had made a detestable image for Asherah. Asa cut down her image, crushed it, and burned it at the brook Kadron. But the high places were not taken out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was wholly true all his days, and he brought into the house of God the sacred gifts of his father and his own sacred gifts, silver and gold and vessels, and there was no more war until the thirty-fifth year of the reign of Asa. This is the word of the Lord. So today's text is fairly straightforward and simple, that God sends a prophet, a man by the name of Azariah, to go and speak to the king, and essentially tell the king that things will go well for the nation if they follow Yahweh, but if they choose to abandon Yahweh, he will abandon them, and things will go poorly for them. This has been spoken and shared by God with his people really throughout the Old Testament up to this point many times. Um, the idea that if they would follow his laws, they would live long in the land that he was giving them to possess. But if they would not follow his laws, they would instead receive curses. They would be removed from the land. So that's time and time again. It's a major Old Testament theme, and it repeats here. So, Azariah goes to speak to the king, and the words are not just for the king, not just for Asa, but for all of his people in Judah and Benjamin, the people that he rules. 
that if they will seek Yahweh, he will be found by them. Notice the language. It's not that this is a completely random people who are seeking after the Lord for the first time, but these are God's people already, and he allows himself to be found by them because he makes himself known to them. But if they will forsake him, Yahweh will forsake them. We get a generic history lesson starting in verse 3, that for the long time there, Israel was without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without the law. This could refer to several chunks of Israel's history, quite honestly. It could refer to especially the period of the judges, 300 or so years after Israel has entered the promised land where they constantly rebel against God, constantly try to see how far they can take their sins. And the Lord gives them over to foreign enemies, oppression, until he sends a deliverer after they've cried out to him for help. Could it refer to the reign of King Saul? or the reign of King Rehoboam? Perhaps. Uh, not enough detail from Azariah to be certain. In those times there was no peace to him who went out or him who came in, so those who came or went from Israel. Seems again like the reference probably is the book of Judges, as that time of peace that came after each judge uh, was mentioned. So there was no peace while they were being oppressed. It makes sense. They were broken in pieces, nation crushed by nation, city by city, for God troubled them with every sort of distress. This is a question for your family to discuss. Who brings disaster? And this is not the way that we like to look at God. We have a very peaceful picture of Jesus as the one who's carrying that little shepherd over his shoulders. But our God is also just, and he brings judgment. And this is an example, an illustration of that, that when we abandon God, he judges us. When a people, a nation abandons God, he judges them. And it is deserved. So the Lord is the one who brings disaster. And you can then turn it around and say, well, if the Lord brings disaster, who is it that brings peace? And it's actually the same answer. The good things come from the Lord as well. This is something that Job recognized and said to his wife really right away at the, at the start of that book, chapter 2, verse 10. He said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. So that's the kind of picture that we have here. Um, the Lord is the one who brings disaster. The Lord is the one who brings peace on the day of judgment, as we would think of it. The Lord is the one who casts into hell. And the Lord is the one who welcomes into paradise. Both good and evil, as we would call these things, uh, that stem from the Lord himself, because he is God over all. And he is both merciful and and just. Those are concepts that it's important for our, our children to know about who God is. He prefers to work through mercy. 
And he has shown that many times, especially and most of all, by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, while we were still his enemies. So much he loved us. So Asa, as soon as he heard these words, took courage, put away the detestable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and the cities he had taken in the hill country of Ephraim. In a sense, we saw that idea yesterday as he took some of the the cities around Gerar when he was doing battle with the Ethiopians, and that would be probably the referent point here. It does not include, necessarily, the cities that his father had captured, including Bethel, in chapter 13 before it. Or at least we should not assume that it includes Bethel at this point. Bethel would be the house of one of the false gods that the Israelites, the northern kingdom, worshipped. Then we learn in verse 9 that not only are Judah and Benjamin with Asa, but there have been several from, well, a great number, from a few of the other tribes who have abandoned Jeroboam, abandoned in the northern kingdom, and have fled to Asa because they have seen that Yahweh was with him. They have bore witness to the fact that God is caring for the southern kingdom, and they wanted to be part of that. So that's good. That's something to rejoice in. These are those who sought to find Yahweh, and he was found by them, as as Uriah spoke of in his prophecy above. So he gathers them in Jerusalem, the third month, the 15th year. This would be roughly 896 B.C. It might be Pentecost as we would call it, so one of the celebrations that would happen for God's people. Their primary festivals, primary holidays, are in the first and the seventh month of the year, so scattered equally across the year. But after the first offering of a sheaf from their harvest, the Feast of Firstfruits, they then count off 50 days, and then they celebrate, again, Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks. So that's possible here, and it's not specifically mentioned in either direction. They make a large sacrifice, 700 oxen, 7,000 sheep, as they seek to make a covenant with Yahweh that they will follow him. Is this covenant necessary? I'm not sure that it is. I'm more of a, a need to renew the covenant that they have broken with him. The old Old Testament is also, you could say, the Old Covenant. It's filled with covenant language as the Lord has covenanted with his people. And so here they are covenanting with the Lord, that they will follow him, they would not seek after other gods. And they even pledge to put to death those who will not follow Yahweh. Nothing said about that happening in the text here. And we instead see in verse 15, all of Judah rejoiced over the oath. All of them. So this is a mutual by hundreds of thousands of people. We're not sure the exact extent of their kingdom at this point, but it's a mutual agreement that they have made. And again, so Yahweh was found by them because they sought him and Yahweh gave them rest all around. So we see God bringing disaster. We see God bringing peace both here in this same text. Now we get the the concluding note in this chapter about the mother of the king. 
that Asa removed her from this position of queen mother, so essentially a, a, a position of great honor among the people, that you are the one who bore the king. He removes her from this because she had made a detestable image for Asherah, so a false goddess. She was worshiping and teaching others to worship. Asa destroys that. We are not told, however, that he kills his mom. Right? Now, that would be the agreement that they made back in verse 13, whoever would not seek Yahweh. But nothing is said of, of that effect for Mecca. The side note is given to us that the high places were not taken out of Israel. And really, that's beyond Asa's capability. He's not king of Israel. He's king of Judah. He's king of the south. So that the northern king is not repenting, is not joining in this covenant, would be the focal point rather than that being an accusation against Asa for not being faithful enough. So that's why it follows it immediately with, nevertheless, the heart of Asa was wholly true all his days. So Asa's rule is good. It's the first good king of the southern kingdom of Judah, as was mentioned yesterday with the text. So he then brings into God's house the various sacred gifts that he had from his father, which is interesting. Uh, Abijah, not considered one of those faithful kings, but had some gifts for Yahweh nonetheless. And Asa adds to these things silver, gold, and various vessels. So after the king of Egypt, Shishak, had plundered and taken everything out of the house, now we see the temple of Yahweh having some of the things restored to it. And there was peace, no more war, verse 19, until the 35th year of the reign of King Asa. And Asa is going to reign for 41 years, so he's got a few years yet to go. Um, the Brook Kidron got mentioned there in verse 16. It's worth pointing out. Basically, it connects Jerusalem to the Salt Sea. So if you're looking at the Salt Sea, it touches it on the northwest side uh, and then goes almost all the way to Jerusalem. They're very close as you look at their positions on the map.